0: Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. If you'd like to be open your Bibles in just a moment, we'll be reading 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. We'll be looking at verse 12 tonight. It is an exciting night. Isn't it wonderful to be led in prayer by individuals that it is obvious how they pray, that they're godly men And that they know what they're praying about so far as the topic of students and of administrators and teachers and of school systems. And truly, uh, I think I can speak on behalf of all of us. I don't take, and I'm sure you don't take tonight lightly, uh, what an opportunity, a privilege, and even responsibility we have to pray for one of the most important resources that God gives us, and that is our youth. And we truly, as we have been praying, will continue to pray uh, that God's will will be done in the lives of the young people and the lives of the adults that are working with the young people, that truly this year would be a tremendous blessing in the lives of our youth here at Mount Juliet. And we want our youth to be a blessing to every school they attend, uh, to every one of their peers, uh, to their teachers, etc. And so we hope uh, that truly God's will will be sought and will be accomplished this year. Uh, As we've done many times... Uh, I've passed out probably about 350 of these through the Bible classes this morning, and our teachers are so gracious to take the time to to have their students complete these. And I picked out just a few of them, and I won't even read all of the answers on each one of these. Uh, but I'll tell you what what has been asked on here is the student's name, their age, their grade. They look forward to school because their favorite part of summer was. My favorite part of school is the part of school I like the least is. What makes a teacher, a great teacher, and what do you want to be when you grow up, and how will school help? It's amazing how they can learn so young, isn't it? Little Riley White's only four years old, but what she is looking forward to school is because she gets new clothes, and uh, when she grows up, she wants to be a cooker. Aiden White, he too is uh, four years old, and when he grows up, Aiden wants to be a pirate. Bowen Whitlock, he is also four years old, and the part of school that he likes the least is people yelling at me. (laughs) And uh, he wants, when he grows up, to be a race car driver. And uh, Jackson Hines, he's also four years old, and the part of school that he likes the least is the work. And what makes a great teacher is when she gives us snacks. And when he grows up, he wants to be a superhero. And Daniel Hines, his older brother, is a seventh grader, and he uh, has just a few plans laid out. When he grows up, he wants to go to Fried Hardeman for four years, and then go to business school, and then to culinary school for 18 months, and then be a CEO of a huge business, and then give some money to charity. And... <laughs> And when asked, uh, how will school help with this? He says, I have no idea. (laughs) Scoot over John. Uh, Will Stallworth, uh, he is 11. He's in seventh grade. And um, when he grows up, he just wants to take over his dad's company. And uh, his favorite part of summer was fishing. And he says, or as I call it, jerking jaw. Uh, His favorite part of school is is lunch. And uh, what makes a teacher great is when they're funny. Sean Hundley and Aaron Brown both had similar answers. They look forward to school because it's time for baseball, and uh, the favorite part of summer is that there's not school. And the favorite part of school is dismissal, and the favorite part, or the least favorite part of school, is getting there in the mornings. (laughs) Jennifer Beckham, she's in seventh grade, and Jennifer says what makes a great teacher is when they get off the topic. And JD, JD Williams. Eighth grader, I admire him greatly for many reasons, but also for this reason. The only young person in recent years I've ever heard say this, my favorite part of summer, sitting on the front porch. Where did those kids go? I love it. We need more kids like that. Uh, Brooke Inks, seventh grade, she says, uh, what makes a teacher a great teacher is when she's nice. And um, when she grows up, she says, I want to have a cafe. And I learned to cook, and a petting zoo with all kinds of animals in it. And then McLean Remus, also a seventh grader, when she's asked what she wanted to do when she grew up, she said, I want to be a doctor or work as a waitress in Brooks Cafe. (laughs) Adam Parton. Adam Parton says when he grows up, and you know, this will fall right in line with his father, uh, when he grows up, he wants to be an engineer, I-N-J-I-N-E-E-R, an engineer. And, and Tyler Thomas, he's got it figured out. He loves and looks forward to school because of recess. And his favorite part of school is recess. And the part of school that he likes the least is everything but recess. I guess better. What makes a teacher a great teacher? You guessed it, when she gives you two recesses. (laughs) Abby Jones is a fourth grader that she looks forward to school because she wants to be smart. Uh, My dad always tells my kids that if you don't like school, you want to be dumb. All right, Judson in fourth grade, he says that what makes a teacher a great teacher is when that teacher is a Christian. And when he grows up, he wants to be a piano person. Austin Treadway, another fourth grader, says, What makes a teacher a great teacher is if they teach you everything that you need to know. Brittany Luna is uh, in the life skills school and... She says she looks forward to school because she can see all of her friends and teachers, and she's getting a new teacher this year. Her favorite part of summer was VBS. It was her first time to go. She was with the Angel Company, and she says it rocks. Her favorite part of school is singing in the chorus and performing around the city. Uh, The part of school that she likes the least is getting up early in the mornings. What makes a teacher a great teacher is one that makes learning fun, and what she wants to be when she grows up, just myself a voice teacher through practice. Uh, Steve Williams, he's in the industrial work program, and he says he looks forward to school uh, because he learns lots of things, and his favorite part of summer was the ice cream, supper, and the VBS time, and his favorite part of uh, school is the day that he gets paid for his work. Uh, Bryant Luna, he is also in life skills And he says that his favorite part of school is playing drums in music class. The part of school he likes the least is the food. And what makes a teacher a great teacher is one that makes him happy. And when he grows up, he wants to be a drummer. Cody is in third grade. And Cody says what makes a great teacher is when kids listen to the teacher. teacher probably thinks that's what makes great kids. Carson Carson Fulford said, uh, he's a third grader, and he said that when he grows up, He wants to work at a cake shop. And when asked how school would help with this, he says, I don't know. Nathan was a third grader or is a third grader. And when uh, he grows up, he wants to be an astronaut. And Will Myers in third grade says that his favorite part of summer is taking Taekwondo summer camp. And when he grows up, he wants to be a black belt. Ashlyn is a second grader. And says, I look forward to school because I'm going to have a good teacher. And my favorite part of summer was me and mom had a girl's day out. And what makes a teacher a great teacher? That she's sweet and she has a good, and I wish you could see the spelling of this. She has a good personality. Caleb Horn, four years old, says what makes a great teacher is, I don't know. But he knows what he wants to be when he grows up, a pig. And... (laughs) And how school will help with this is I will eat lunch there. <laughs> and on the other hand, Laura offered another four-year-old when asked what she wanted to be when she, was, when she grew up, I don't want to be anything. <laughs> Claire Brown talks about a, a great teacher and says it's a teacher who takes individual time to focus on each student. Rachel Stilts talks about her favorite part of the summer, and one of the things she listed was being baptized. And uh, Rebecca Bachelor's favorite part of the summer was the mission trip to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And our kids listed many, many of the mission trips and camps and vacation Bible schools. Almost every kid has something uh, about that, which was really neat. What makes a teacher a great teacher if the teacher builds a relationship with their students and actually cares about them? And when she grows up, she wants to be either a counselor or a missionary. Amelia Smith thinks that a great teacher is one that cares about you and loving what they teach. Uh, Caitlin Lee, her favorite part of the summer, was also being baptized. Justin Huddleston, an eighth grader, he says, What makes a great teacher... (laughs) the ability to ignore the whole class while they're on Facebook. <laughs> McLean Richardson, uh, a 10th grader, says, I look forward to school because I want to further my education. Dot, dot, dot. Just kidding. Uh, I want to see, <laughs> see my friends. Uh, and what makes a great teacher is a substitute teacher. And <laughs> What do you want to be when I grow up? He finally gets one pretty good here, and that is a medical missionary. Uh, little Brent Dillard, uh, the 12th grader, the little guy says, I look forward to school because it means it's football time in Tennessee. And his favorite part of school is when he eats. And the part of school that he likes the least is when he has a teacher who won't let him eat in class. And what, what makes a teacher a great teacher is when she buys food and brings it to class. And he says, an example, last year a teacher brought class, brought the class pizza and cupcakes because of me. And, uh, and then when he grows up, he wants to be a doctor. Stephen English, a ninth grader, says that what makes a great teacher is when they have a sense of humor and he wants to be an anesthesiologist. Alan Cantrell, he's uh, going to be a freshman at Fred Hardeman. He says, I look forward to school because I'm going to live at school and it's where I'll meet lots of new people and have excellent teachers. And his favorite part of school is girls. And what do you want to be when you grow up? He wants to be a preacher and he believes that school will help increase his Bible knowledge and help solidify his convictions. And finally, uh, not least... uh, But last, Amanda Fuller, 6th grader says, and and several of the 6th graders mention things like this. I look forward to school because we get to sleep later. They're going to new schools. So they get to sleep later. They get lockers. They get to see uh, friends. And they enjoy doing all the church activities this summer. And what makes a great teacher is they don't make a stand in a straight line anymore. The joys of being a 6th grader. You know, when we think about growing up, You know, there's nothing wrong with a 6th grader acting like a 6th grader, but there is something wrong with a 6th grader acting like a 3rd grader. There's nothing wrong with a 15-year-old acting like a 15-year-old, but there is something wrong with a 15-year-old acting like a 13-year-old. You see, the idea of the way God designed childhood is that we would grow and mature. And as we grow and mature, we would become less Uh, reliable upon our parents and more responsible for our own decisions and our own behavior. And so it's so important that our children are challenged on a regular basis to grow and to mature, especially spiritually. And it's interesting to think of one of the best-known passages in all the Bible about youth. And even though we understand that when Paul was writing this to Timothy, Timothy was probably not a teenager at this time, but yet what he says applies so much to youth at any age. And so let's read here this simple verse in the fourth chapter. Well, right before this, let me just mention to you a couple of things I almost forgot to mention. Probably tomorrow, some of our... Tea, we have some great teachers here. This is the way they may feel tomorrow. And, and then some of our parents, they may feel like this when they get the to back-to-school list. And then... Uh, Stan and maybe some of our other principals or administrators may feel like this by the end of school, but something that's real important, on to something real important. Look at 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. Let's look at verse 12 where he says, now think about this youth. This is a challenge for all of us, but especially for you young people. Let no one, that's inclusive. Let no one, no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believer and we're going to come back and talk about that believer, the that word example. The example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit. And by the way, the, the uh, older translations don't have the word in spirit there. And, and then in faith and in purity. And so what we have here is a passage where Paul is telling Timothy what he ought to be. And what's interesting is it is so easy for whether it's, it's older youth looking down upon younger ones, or if it's adults looking down upon youth. It is so easy to get discouraged and put out with immature children. Now, again, I want to emphasize, there's nothing wrong with a child acting their age. But there is something wrong with youth being immature for their age. And so here, Paul is looking to a young man at this time, and he's giving him that same principle. He's saying, listen, don't live a life in such a way that anybody, whether it's your teachers, it's your peers, it's your coaches, it's a a school bus driver, a cafeteria worker, whoever it may be, don't let anybody look down upon you because you are immature for your age. In other words, there ought to be something that's much higher than that. And what is it? He says, I want you to be an example. The word example here in the Greek is an awesome word. It's the idea of a die-cut where, where you take this pattern and you say, I'm going to cut out more just like this. Many of us, whenever we were young, and I, I honestly, I don't know if kids still do it this way, but we had the little tablet books, and that's how we learned to write, was the first line had a pattern of the letters, and we would trace that first line. Do you still do that today? Where's our little ones? Anybody still do that? Teachers? Anybody? No? Oh, times have changed. Anyway, that's the way we learn to write. And and so think about it. If, if you followed the pattern, you wrote an A because the A was there as a pattern. You wrote a B because the B was there in a pattern. And what's Paul saying? Paul is saying, I want you to be that pattern, even though you're a youth, I want you to be that pattern of what a Christian should be. And so somebody else at school can say, I can live like they live. I can trace their speech, their behavior, their sacrifice, their faithfulness, their purity. I can trace all of that in their life. And I too would be a Christian because they're a Christian and I'm going to follow their pattern. Now someone says, no, no, wait a minute. We need to follow Jesus. We do need to follow Jesus. But think of what, what Paul said when we go to the First Corinthians 11th chapter and verse 1. He very simply but plainly says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. You say, was Paul being a little bit arrogant here? No. Paul wasn't claiming to be perfect. Paul was simply saying, let me tell you what I'm giving my life to doing. I'm giving my life to following the pattern of Jesus Christ. And if you follow my pattern, my pattern's going to be the pattern of Jesus Christ. Something's wrong. If other youth, your peers, follow your behavior and they're not more like Christ. What is it that Paul says, here's what you need to work on? When you're going to talk about follow my pattern, what is it? Let's think quickly about these five things that he lists in this one verse. The first one that he talks about is speech. It is in word. You know, James 3 teaches that the tongue... Is the hardest member of the body to control. From Paul's writings, young people, you have the challenge. It's a brand new school year. How are you going to talk? There are so many passages that we could go through the scriptures that talk about not lying and telling the truth. For example, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter and verse 25, he simply said, Therefore, put away lying. But then a few verses later in the fifth chapter in verse four, he still is talking about speech and he's giving a list of things that ought to not pass through our lips. And he says, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving the things. Remember just last Sunday morning, we talked about that word fitting. There are some things that do not fit into the pattern of Christianity, and how we use our language, it should fit. It should be always truthful. It should be gracious. It should be language that builds up. It should not be lies. It should not be harsh. It should not be coarse jesting. It should not be uh, curse words and etc. But notice also, it's not just our language, but he also talked about our conduct our conduct ought to be faithful people ought to be able to follow the pattern of our conduct this morning we mentioned 1 Peter the 2nd chapter and verse 12 i'd like for us to drop back and read verse 11 and 12 and i'd like for you to notice here and think about are you maturing in your behavior here's what paul lays out for all of us 1 Peter 2:11 and 12 i'm sorry peter lays this out and he says beloved I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. You got that in your mind? This is so serious that the apostle says, I'm begging you. I really want you to get this. And he says, this world's not your home. You're a sojourner. You're passing through this world. And because of that, you're going to act different than the world. If somebody says, man, you don't do what we do. That's right. This world's not my home. This is the world's home. This world's not my home. I'm passing through. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. So my conduct is going to be different. So what is this? What's going to be different? Look what he says in 11. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. What does he say there about conduct? It ought to be honorable. We talked about honorable this morning. To esteem it. To place a value upon it. Listen, if we're not thinking about our conduct, it's not going to be honorable. We have to value our conduct and say, I want to guard it. I want to make sure that God would look down and say it's honorable. And if somebody speaks evil against me, it's going to have to be a lie. Remember why Daniel was thrown in the lion's den? they had to make a decree that was against his religion in order to throw him into a lion's den because they knew the only way they could trap him into, quote, doing something wrong was make right wrong. That ought to be a goal for every one of us is to be able to say, my conduct, my goal is to be so honorable that if someone says something bad about me, odds are it's a lie. But not only our conduct, but also, he said, in love. You know, in in John, the 15th chapter, and verse 13... He says, "Greater love hath no man than a man lay down his life for another." It always touches our heart when we see someone risking their life for the well-being of another. It ought to touch our heart, because God says that is the greatest love that is ever displayed. When the Lord tells us that we need to love, we must realize that that love is not emotion. That love is sacrifice. It's being willing to say, I will serve another person. Now think where we've been tonight, young people. Our example, what's the pattern of Christianity? Be careful what you say. Be careful how you act. And make your life available to serve others. Love others and esteem them and sacrifice for them. But then he spoke of faithfulness. The idea of faithfulness is the very aspect of consistency. Our Christian life shouldn't be a flash in the pan. In other words, don't go to school on fire for Christ the first week and then nobody would recognize the second week that you're a Christian. But instead, let it be your life. Let it be something that it literally is that pattern every day of your life. It is who you are. It isn't just what you do. It's from your heart out. It is what your heart is set upon. In 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, notice what he says here. Moreover... It is required of stewards that one be found faithful. A steward is one that has been given something to take care of for a while until the master returns. Your life, your body, your words, your conduct, your heart. It's all on loan from God, and you're to take care of it until he comes again. And then the question is, are you a good steward? What's required of stewards? Stewards must... Be faithful day in, day out. It's not whether or not it feels good at the moment. It's not, well, that's what I like to do right now. It's putting the Lord first. Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to be faithful to God, period. But then finally tonight, notice he said impurity. If we're going to follow that pattern, we must be people that are pure. There could be exceptions to this, but it would be just that, the exception. The exception. Most of the time in the scriptures when the word purity is used, it is related to pure from sexual immorality, free from lust, free from activity that's sinful, that's sexually immoral. And so that pure life that God is requiring young people to live, he states it in 2 Timothy 2 and 22 when he says, flee youthful lust, but pursue Righteousness. Now, do you notice that? There's something we flee. That, that's running away from. A, a, have you ever thought that something was going to explode and you turn around and you ran from it? That's flee. Flee youthful life. But then have you ever chased something? Something that you really wanted to catch? That's pursuing. So he says, here's, here's lust that it, it pulls at the heart. But he says, I don't want you to listen to a sinful heart, I want you to run from that. But then, here's what I want you to run toward. I want you to run towards righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord. How? And what out of? Out of a pure heart. Tonight, it's a pattern for all of us. But especially tonight, young people, we're praying for you. I think about a couple here that They're faithful members of this congregation. And one of the first times I ever sat down to study with them before they were converted, they named one of our young people. And they said, I don't really know much about this church, but I know this. The little bit I know, I like this church. And that's one reason why I want to study the Word of God. I said, how do you know about this church? And they named one of our young people. And they talked about the impact that he had of just living a good, faithful Christian life the few times that he was around them. Young people, you're a pattern. And your pattern is either saying great things to that teacher that's thinking about visiting the Mount Juliet Church of Christ until they realize the kid that is a jerk in their class says that he's a faithful member at the Mount Juliet Church of Christ and a teacher says I'll just go visit somewhere else or are they going to hear your speech and see your conduct and see the love that you have for others are they going to see your faithfulness and your purity and say whatever has shaped that young person into that that's what I want to become I know an older man right now that's late in life. He's a Christian today. Because as a school teacher. One of his students invited him to church. And he's been a Christian for decades. You're a tremendous resource to us. This congregation. And the life of the kingdom. But you have responsibility. May God bless you this year. As you go out to be a pattern. But for all of us. What kind of pattern are we? Do we reflect our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, tonight? Let's all give our all to being like our Lord. Let's imitate Him. And if we're not on that path, let's not leave here without getting on that path and making this the best school year that we've ever had, spiritually speaking. Tonight, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, why not? That could be the best part of your summer, the best part of your life. If you have been baptized and... You failed to imitate Christ. Tonight is a time to imitate Christ in wanting to do the right thing again. And we'd love to pray with you and for you. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.